Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. From Ephesians chapter 6, and I just felt to take a different direction tonight, and um, and I just want to uh, take advantage of that. Folks, we've got some difficult situations we're facing. we got some people in our church that are facing some difficult situations. Now, we're at a great spot as far as the church goes, but when you get direction, and you start trying to follow after the Lord individually or even corporately, the enemy doesn't rest on his laurels when you do that. He steps up the attack. He steps up the pressure. And so I want to help us deal with some of that tonight. I'm preaching a message tonight called You Have to Take a Stand. And so we're going to look at Ephesians verses 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The idea is, but we do wrestle, struggle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Verse 13, might as well. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand or to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. We'll stop there. But I want to say a prayer and then we're going to just talk a little bit about this and dive in, just see where the Lord leads. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I pray that you speak to our hearts we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Paul is concluding his letter here to the church at Ephesus. We know the story of how the church of Ephesus started. It started back in the book of Acts. We see where the amazing beginning was so God-orchestrated. Paul happens upon some people and begins to speak to them and witness to them and the power of God puts this God's stamp of approval on what's going on there. It was miraculous. It was incredible. And now Paul is writing a letter to them and encouraging them, and he's concluding his letter by saying, finally, so this is the re- remarks at the end of the letter, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, the schemes, the wiles of the devil. So he's saying, finally, and, and, and he's saying, in light of everything else I've said, with all of those ideas in mind, in light of all that God has done for you, I need you to stand. God's done some great things for us, hasn't he? And that's the idea. In light of the glorious standing you have in God, uh, in Christ, before God, in light of that, He's saying, in light of God's great plan for the ages that he's made you to participate in, in light of the the plan for his growing you up and the growth that he's already given you so far, in light of the 
the holy conduct to which God has called you, in light of you being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, in light of all this, he's saying, there's a battle that you have to fight. Uh, I grew up playing in southern gospel groups. I know that's shocking to some of you. It's hard to imagine, but if you don't know southern gospel culture, you need to do yourself a favor and do a little research and dig it out. Find out what I'm talking about. The southern gospel world is something else. And I grew up playing drums at the gospel hayride while people ate nachos. I played the drums and quartets sang. And I sang or I played. I didn't sing, but I played the drums. This horrific drum set at this venue that was a pretty cool venue. But I played the drums and, and people ate nachos and they sang the southern gospel music. But... In that world, there was a, a, a group called the Florida Boys. Anybody ever hear the Florida Boys? What, Nick? Miss Cynthia? Carla? Oh, Dan. Brenda. Look at this. The Florida Boys. And the Florida Boys sang a song, and the words went like this. Run if you want to. Run if you will. But I came here to stay. When I fall down, I'm going to try to get up. Does anybody know this song? I'm going to try to get up because I didn't start out to play. You might remember this line. It's a battlefield, brother. Not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. So run if you want to. Run if you will. But I came here to stay. That line has stuck with me for 50 years, my whole life. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. Cool church, modern church, hip church, North American church allows us to have some fun and games, but I'm afraid we've become too much of a recreation room when this is really a fight. This is a fight that we're in, this Christian walk, following after Jesus, this life of faith, it is a fight, and you have to take a stand. If you're going to win, regardless of what all Jesus has done for you, you have to take a stand. You have to refuse to fall, refuse to let the opposition get the upper hand. You have a target on your back. The devil wants to rise up and keep you from rising up. He wants to keep you from doing what God's called you to do. And Paul knew this. Paul knew something about it. We'll see this in a minute. But he said, listen, guys, in spite of the amazingness of chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 of Ephesians, the letter I have written to you, and the revelation that is in there, and, and with that all in mind, you've got to hear me. You've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The literal translation is strengthen yourselves in the Lord. The idea is, is implied. You strengthen yourself in the Lord. You be strong in the Lord. You make it happen. He's done all he's going to do. Now you've got a part to do. You have to take a stand. Everybody say take a stand. You have the responsibility of strengthening, your, strengthening yourself in the Lord. You're told, strengthen yourself. Encourage yourself. I mean, we're told to encourage one another. To lift each other up. But ultimately, you got to encourage yourself. 
Sometimes there ain't nobody around to encourage you. You got to encourage yourself. It makes me think of David at Ziklag from 1 Samuel 30. L- listen to these verses 1 through 6. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Think about that. Maybe you don't know the story. David and his men were out on a raid, really doing the work of the Lord. It was a trying time, a time of transition for them, but God was with them. I mean, they were winning victory after victory after victory, and they had left Ziklag where they had left their families behind, gone out and done some raids, and in the meantime, Ziklag was overtaken, and the enemy came and took his wives and his men's wives and their kids their, their sons and daughters had taken them captive and burned everything up. And David, is this okay if we do this tonight? Are you cool? You missing the Antichrist? I know you are. I just believe that God's got a word for, for us as a church. You got to hear what I'm saying. Ziklag was a discouraging time. They had lost so much. They wept until they had no more strength to weep. This is David. The giant killer. These are his men who were brave men who had victory after victory after victory. And they wept and they spoke of stoning David. They didn't like his leadership. You know, John Maxwell had worn off in his life. Leadership training was not working. The team was falling apart. The enemy had come in and had disrupted the flow in David's camp. It was a messy situation. His loyal, faithful men lost faith in his leadership, lost faith in the anointing and the touch of God that was obviously on David. And David was losing faith in himself. David was losing faith in the fact that God's hand was upon him. Now think about that. This is David. Think about it. Samuel the prophet comes by. And do you realize some of the Hebrew scholars, some of the rabbis say that when the sons of Jesse passed before Samuel, that Samuel wanted to anoint them, but the Lord said, no, this is not the one. You know, the tall, good-looking ones, they came by, the big ones, the muscular ones, they came by and Samuel's like, this has got to be the one, it looks like a king to me. And the Lord said, no, this is not the one. The rabbis say that when David came in, that the horn of oil began to move supernaturally. 
I'm not sure if that happened or not, but let's just pretend it did. David was in the room when Samuel and that horn of oil, at least, at least Samuel, the prophet of God, obviously the prophet of God knew it. The Lord spoke to him. But maybe that horn of oil started shaking, and they knew it was time. And David was supernaturally selected, anointed in Jesse's house. All the stuff that had taken place in David's life, all of that, it was powerful. Those men knew it. And yet at this moment, they doubted it. How many of you know you can be so sure of yourself and your walk with God one minute and some stuff can blow up in your face and you question everything about you, what you thought about God? You can say, Life Point's the greatest church on the face of the earth, and the next minute you're like, I'm not so sure about Life Point or DH, you know? You, you can be walking in strength and you can be walking in victory and something blows up in your face, a situation erupts, the enemy comes in like a flood. And you're overwhelmed, and you're like, I don't know if I believe anything anymore. I'm not sure about anything anymore. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's where David was. David was walking on sunshine, man. He was, he was on cloud nine. He was winning. I mean, he, was, he got so tired of winning, you know, like he was winning so much he got tired of winning. And all of a sudden, at Ziklag, he loses it all. And David was discouraged. But then it says, that last verse is powerful. David strengthened. David encouraged himself in the Lord. What does it mean to encourage yourself in the Lord? To encourage yourself in the Lord. I'll tell you what it does not mean. Nick, here's what it does not mean. You don't like go through this rigmarole of like, uh, like you good, you, you're doing a good job, Donovan. You know, like you're on top of things. You're doing a great job. You are somebody. You're good enough. You're smart enough. You can do this. You've got this, Donovan. That's not the way he did it. He wasn't saying, David, you're a great guy. It says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Anytime you see the phrase, in the Lord, it's a reference to covenant. It's a reference to being in covenant. To be in covenant with the Lord. He encouraged himself by going back to the covenant and spending time there. It was like he had been walking in victory, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he lost the power, right? And then he had to spend a little time plugging back in. To encourage yourself in the Lord is not an immediate thing. You know, it's not like you just all of a sudden... You're like, man, I'm discouraged, and all of a sudden, I'm full of victory. It took some time. I don't know how much time, but it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He went back to the covenant. He opened the book, so to speak. David knew something about the Bible of his time. He knew something about the book. You read through the Psalms, Cynthia, you know that. You go through those Psalms, David was very aware of who the I am was, who the I am is. He was very aware of what God had spoken and promised. He was very aware of the promises of God, what God had said in His Word. And he had written things that God had inspired him to write. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He, he anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. He, he understood things by the Word, and God had revealed things to him 
that were going to become the word. David was going, he had to go back and plug into the source of his power. And the source of his power was the covenant. It was the words. And he went back and began to remind himself of what God had said and what God had promised. Can I tell you, when you're discouraged, the thing you need to do is not look to your own strengths, but go back and look at what God has promised you. David was, after all, the shepherd boy who killed the giant, but he knew it wasn't himself. He didn't say, I come against you with a sling and a stone. He said, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. He knew where his help came from. It wasn't from himself. His help came from the Lord. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. David had made his mind up all those years ago. I trust in the Lord. I know what he's promised me in his word. And I'm going to stand on that. I will take my stand there. And when all hell broke loose in his life, what did he do? He went back and took a stand. I stand on the word of God. God, you have made me valuable promises. And I am not forsaking them. I'm going to push forward in your name. And I want to tell you today, tonight... If you've been frustrated, if you've hit a wall, if something's blown up in your face, a circumstance, a situation, you may be discouraged. That's okay. You can encourage yourself by going back to what the Lord has said about you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. Be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. God is for me. God is not against me. God is on my side. God is my covenant partner. God is my help. God is my strength. God is with me. He went back to those words and reminded himself, he has given me his strength. I am giving him my weaknesses. And you need to hear that. When you're struggling, when you're fighting, when you're in the fight, because you are in the fight, you got to go back. David told Saul when he went up against Goliath, and Saul was trying to talk him out of going up against Goliath. David told Saul, I killed a lion and a bear. What is this giant that's out here before me? Who is he to defy the armies of the living God? What he was saying to Saul was, the word worked before, and the word will work again. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. The word worked before, and the word will work again. If God came through one time, I'm telling you, he'll come through every time. We've got to stand in faith on that word And say, I will not be discouraged for long. I will encourage myself in the Lord. I'm going back to the source of my strength. The covenant I have with Almighty God. It's not enough to think that God has the power. you got to know that He's on your side. And He wants His power to flow to you and through you. How do you know that? That's what He said in His Word. That's part of the covenant. My strength's are, are, are limited. His strengths are unlimited. My strengths are weak. I give to him my weaknesses, and he gives to me his strengths. 
because we are in covenant with one another. It's amazing if you compare David to Goliath. Poor old Goliath was relying on his giant stature. Poor old Goliath was relying on his big spear. Poor old Goliath was relying on his gigantic sword. Poor old Goliath was relying on this gigantic shield. Poor old Goliath was relying on his years of combat training. He had been a warrior since his youth. But David said, I don't come to you with my strength. It's not this amazing slingshot I have or this stone that I have, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. You may be big, but my God's bigger. And, and David just bowed up on a giant. It's amazing to me, right? He bowed up on a giant and he won. Sometimes our abilities are not all that. It's okay. What you may be facing may be a giant. It may be really big. But you need to finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. God got you through this far. God will take you the rest of the way. Amen? Guzik says, Might, in this verse, is inherent power or force. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. This is inherent power or force. A muscular man's big muscles display his might. Like when I'm around the house flexing, you know what I'm saying. Right, Nick? Nick, you do that too, don't you? I bet you every man in this house does that, right? You're walking around flexing, especially to mama, you know, like, check this out, right? (laughs) Uh, when, When you're... When a muscular man's big muscles are, when he's flexing, it's just it's a display of his might, even if he doesn't use them. It's reserve of strength, right? Because a lot of times he'll flex and then sit on the couch and exercise the muscle of his thumb on a remote, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's on reserve. Power, be strong in the Lord and in the, Power of his might. Power is the exercising of might. When the muscular man uses his might to mow the yard, to cut down a tree, to bend an iron bar, he is using his power. That means reserve of strength is actually in operation. And Guzik points this out. God has vast reservoirs of might that can be realized as power in our Christian life. But his might does not work in me as I sit passively. His might works in me as I walk in faith and rely on it and step out to do what I can do. I can rely on it and do no work. I can do work without relying on it. But both of these fall short. I must rely on his might and then do all that I know to do. David still did stuff. To kill the lion and the bear. David still did stuff to kill, to, to kill Goliath. He still did stuff. But he was relying on the power of his might. It's not by might. It's not by power. 
but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. But that doesn't mean we rest on our laurels and do nothing. We walk in faith. We do all we know to do. We, we rest in the Lord, but we do all that we know to do. It's kind of like when you say, Lord, I want you to meet all my needs according to your riches and glory, but I'm not going to go to work. Well, maybe you ought to get up and go to work. Trust God to meet your needs according to his riches and glory as you do an honest day's work for an honest day's wage. And then you give, you tithe, you sow, you plant, you trust God. You're doing all you know to do as God gives the increase. Amen? This is just good stuff right here. I'm telling you, it's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church, but this is good, good stuff. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, one translation says, over this present darkness. Here's the deal. You're already in a fight. You do realize this, right? You're already in a fight. And the only way to really persevere and win is to push through it and walk in faith. Because the enemy is doing all he can to take away your faith. It's a battlefield, brother. Not a recreation room. Amen. Therefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand or withstand in the evil day. And having done all that faith requires, you could add, to stand, stand firm. The whole armor of God. I want to look at another scripture. Everybody say, you have to take a stand. You have to take a stand. Uh, the story is, is one that infatuated me a few years ago from our faith that shakes, kind of dove into it. Uh, actually, before faith that shakes, I dove into this and, and dug around in uh, Acts 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manin, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Lord, a Holy Ghost uh, said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So you have these guys praying and fasting, seeking the Lord. Barnabas is a Jew who was from Cyprus. He was born as Joseph, but nicknamed Barnabas by the Twelve. He was a connector, a helper, a friend, a leader in the church, an imparter. He was a prophet and a teacher. Simeon that was called Niger. Niger means Black. He was probably a dark-skinned African, possibly the same Simon who carried the cross for Jesus, a leader in the church, an imparter, a prophet, and a teacher. Lucius of Cyrene. Origen identifies Lucius as Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke. We don't know this for sure. Tradition says he was the overseer of the church at Cyrene, a leader in the church, an imparter, a prophet, and a teacher. And then Manin, he grew up with Herod, the Tetrarch. This is the Herod who beheaded John the Baptist and presided over the trial of Jesus. Manin and Herod were kids together. They played together, and yet one killed the greatest prophet ever 
and the Messiah, and the other was a servant leader in the church of the Messiah. Manin was, again, an imparter, a prophet, and a teacher. And then there was Saul, who was a persecutor of the church, who was becoming more and more a leader. And they're fasting and praying. I love the idea that they were fasting and praying. They, they were big shots in the church, really. Think about it. The list I just listed, they had become big shots in the, in the early church. They were something else, but they were still fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. I love that. We should always be fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. Uh, I, I feel challenged. Uh, feel challenged. I challenged our intercessory prayer team to spend some time fasting and in some extra prayer over the next few weeks. We've got situations, y'all. I'm just telling you, Penny needs a miracle. Do you hear what I'm saying? Penny needs a miracle. And she's a strong woman. Wow. She's something else. And we've got some other needs. Some people that need the power of God to intervene. And I'm just kind of, as the pastor, saying, okay, we got to put our money where our mouth is. Either God can or he can't, as I grew up saying. Either he can or he can't. Either he will or he won't. And so... I feel responsible. Like, we got to step it up in faith. And so, these guys right here, they were praying and fasting and seeking the Lord, and the Lord spoke and gave them divine direction. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to do. And he was sending them on this amazing missionary journey. And, and so, they, they go to the island of, of Cyprus where Barnabas was from. And they begin to minister, and they begin to preach. And the governor of the island, I've preached this, I've taught this, but I just felt to touch on it right now. The, the governor of the island was attracted to the message of Jesus that they were preaching. They're there on divine appointment. It's a, a missionary call. God sent them to the island. And, and they're walking into this open door that no man can shut, Right? Drew, it's an open door that no man can shut. God's called them. God's led them. Here they are. It's their moment. And so they step onto this island. They step into this situation. They begin to preach the gospel. And the governor, think about it, John Bell Edwards, is like, what's going on at LifePoint? I want to hear this. I want to hear this message. I was raised one way, but I'm hearing something different. And I, I like what I'm hearing. I'm attracted to it. And there was a guy, a sorcerer, Simon Bar-Jesus, this sorcerer that rose up and said, no, governor, you don't need to hear them. He starts resisting what was happening in the governor's life. Now, people were getting saved. People were being changed. But there was a very influential man who was coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this sorcerer starts resisting. Now, think about that. Think about that. God led them into this situation. God had opened the door for them to go there. God called them by name. They were humble men, seeking and fasting and praying and, and seeking the face of God. Saul had already spent time away, three years in Arabia, seeking the Lord, learning the Word, being personally taught by Jesus Christ. He, 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 he's, he's paid his dues, and, and they're praying and fasting, and God calls them. This illustrious group of men God calls Barnabas and Saul to this amazing work. They walk through the door. They're having success, but there's opposition. That's the point. And they have to take a stand. 
And uh, it's, it's just amazing. You know, it is that first miracle that really we have record of Saul ever doing. Saul stands up to Simon Bar-Jesus, and he says, you will not see. You will be blind from this moment on. What did he do? He took a stand. There was opposition to what he was called to do. And he took a stand. And he resisted. He knew who he was in the Lord. Paul is the one that wrote Ephesians 6. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Be strong in the Lord. Paul snapped like he had this moment like, this is wrong. God has called us to better than what we're experiencing. God has called this governor to faith. There's more that God has called us to, and we're trying to go here, but we're butting up against a wall. We're hitting our heads against the wall. We can't seem to get past this wall. And the wall was centered in the opposition of this sorcerer, demonic activity around this man. And so what does Paul do? He was going by the name Saul at the time. He raises up and he rebukes the spirit and he commands some things to take place. And as he did so, the Lord moved through those words and Simon the sorcerer was blinded from that time forward. Now, Saul was familiar with this. Saul was a persecutor of the church. And you know the story. The Lord arrested him on the road to Damascus and blinded him. And he had to be led around. And he came to faith in Jesus. He's like, well, it worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. It's not like he was being mean to the guy. It's a gracious, merciful thing. But it was also freeing up the governor to come to faith in Jesus. Here's what I'm saying. Paul had to take a stand. Sometimes you got to take a stand. When the enemy's coming against your family, when the enemy's coming against your money, when the enemy's coming against your sanity, your job, your peace of mind, when the enemy's coming against your peace, when the enemy's coming against you, we don't back up and say, Lord, please fight this battle for me. We say, Lord, I thank you for the victory that you've already won and the victory that you've already promised. And I'm going to stand in, in, in the Lord. I'm going to stand fast right here. I'm going to do everything I know to do, and I'm, I'm, but I'm going I'm I'm to look to the covenant once again, and I'm going to take my stand. You hear what I'm saying? You have to take a stand. It's not automatic. You have to take a stand. The enemy comes against your marriage. The enemy comes against your kids. The enemy comes against your grandkids. You have to take a stand. I believe the Holy Spirit is telling Life Point tonight, you have to take a stand. You can't be passive. You have to be active. In the name of Jesus, I come against every spirit that would come against the working of the Holy Spirit in my life, in my family, in my church, in my finances. I am not just a nobody over here with nothing on the inside of me. I'm wall-to-wall Holy Ghost on the inside. I've been washed in the blood. I'm more than a conqueror through him who has called me into Christ Jesus. I have a relationship with the Almighty, and I stand in Jesus' name, and I bow my knee in prayer, and I speak my words of faith over this situation, and I stand Does anybody hear what I'm saying? I stand strong. I come against it in Jesus' name. I resist the enemy of my life. I come against anything that he said it was finished on the cross, 
if what he said was finished is trying to get started up in my life, I declare it is finished in my life. He declares so, and I agree with him. Stand with me right now. It's just a matter of putting your faith into action. In Jesus' name. Are you with me? I would say, does that make sense? But I don't say that anymore after years ago. I love the fact that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, emptied that tomb, seated at the right hand of the Father, and He's provided for me everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness. That was a revelation to me. Man, I grew up, I didn't know what Jesus had done for me. I wasn't sure at all. I just knew He gave me the Holy Ghost, and I knew I'd been baptized, and my sins were washed away. But I didn't realize the depth of the redemption and the extent of the redemption of Jesus Christ. But He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I mean, He's provided for our every need. And sometimes we settle for the enemy just stealing, the enemy doing a ziklag work on us, holding things captive, disrupting, taking away from us, stealing from us. And we're like, well, I guess that's just the way it is. That's my lot in life. I'm here to remind you tonight, it's not your lot in life. He's causing you to always triumph. He's made you the head and not the tail. He is for you and not against you. He's on your side. He's on your side. He's for you. He, he, is, he is willing. If you'll just step out in faith, you'll just kind of make a move in the right direction, and He'll blast that mountain out of the way. That's why it only takes faith like a grain of mustard seed to speak to a mountain. You, you can speak to the mountain with no faith, and the mountain won't move. But you don't have to have mountain-sized faith to move a mountain. You have mustard seed faith and you look at that mountain and speak what God says about that mountain to that mountain with a heart, with a little bit of faith and the mountain has to move. What does that? The power of His might. I'm not strong in myself. I'm strong in the power of His might. I have seen God move mountains before and if He did it once, He'll do it every time. Amen? If He did it before, He'll do it again. He'll do it again. David said, "He killed. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. I'll kill the. I'll kill Goliath." He looked at his men at Ziklag. He encouraged himself in the Lord, and when he did, he said, "Lord, what do I do?" He said, "Pursue David," and David went after and got everything back the enemy had stolen. I'm ready to collect some things back that the enemy's stolen from me. How about you? I'm ready to collect some prodigals. I'm ready to collect some sons and daughters. I'm ready to collect some some blessings financially. I'm ready to collect some stuff. The enemy stole from me some peace, some sleepless nights. I'm ready to get it back in Jesus' name. I'm ready to get back some health. I'm ready to get back some healing. I'm ready to get back some peace of mind. I'm ready to get back some confidence and courage in my calling and in my walk. Amen. The effectiveness of my witness. I will not be tamed. I will not be held back. I will be what God has called me to be and who God's called me to be. I can do all things He's called me to do. 
through Christ who gives me the strength. Lift your hands to Him right now. Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Lord. We've come to take a stand, a faith stand tonight in Jesus' name. Hear us, O spirits of darkness, so that you can know where we stand. We're the children of God, called by His name. We've been washed in the blood, filled with the Spirit, taking it back in Jesus' name. Taking it back in Jesus' name. I'm taking my stand. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by the preaching of God's Word. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, or if you plan to attend one of our services, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.